0: I was reading in Mark chapter 10, and uh, I read the request of James and John for prominence. I know we talked about it last week a little bit, uh, but I read it, and then I read the next little passage, which was Bartimaeus and his healing, and, um, and how beautiful, miraculous that was. Now, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He has set his focus on his goal which is the cross the tomb and the empty tomb and he has set his face like a flint and he will not be deterred from it and uh, and i see that he is he is teaching his disciples and if you read the the gospels kind of in a sort of chronological order you'll find that some of these stories repeat and then there's other stories in between that uh, the different gospel writers don't each include, but if you put them together and piece them together, you get a bit of a fuller picture of the last month or two or the last few weeks at least of Jesus' ministry before uh, the triumphal entry and subsequently uh, Passion Week. And, uh, and I noticed that there must have been a teaching that Jesus gave. I know he teaches on this in John chapter 15. I think it's 15, maybe John 14. I know he teaches on this, and, but I'm thinking from what I read in Mark chapter 10 that he must have been teaching this quite solidly as they were approaching Jerusalem. He must have been giving this thought to them. So I'm going to read the passage in Mark to you and put on your thinking caps and see if you can catch what he must have been teaching them uh, by the requests. Okay? Just, just listen to this, these passages and, and, and see if you can pick it out. Okay? Is that a, it's kind of a challenge. It's, I know many of you have been playing Wordle. Okay, so this is better than Wordle. This is you picking out what I'm thinking. Can you do that? All right, here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, "'Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you.' And he said to them, "'What do you want me to do for you?' And they said to him, "'Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left.' in your glory. Man, these guys, chutzpah, eh? Wow, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but if I had been one of the other 12, I'd have been pretty upset too. But, but even though I'm not one of the 12, I'm still one of the many, and I'm still looking at that and thinking, dude, wow, really? Okay, Jesus said, you do not know what you are asking. You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? I want you to understand something from this passage. I just pause. You're still thinking about what it is I'm trying to think about. This is not it. I'm just going to give you another thought. I want you to consider those who seek glory misunderstand the purpose of our calling. There's only one who is worthy. And unto him, not unto us, be all the glory and the honor and the power and the praise and the wisdom and dominion and might. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you, you will be baptized. Listen, they weren't actually asking for that. And they did get something from Jesus, like right there. Like, oh, man, you should never ask that question. <laughs> uh, what they got. Woo, they got his cup. They got his baptism. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Brief interlude. There will be. People sitting on his right and on his left. Probably not going to be you. Probably not going to be me. It's a strange thought. It's a beautiful thought. For whom it has been prepared... There is a place prepared. I go to prepare a place for you. Huh? And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant with James and John. And, James, and Jesus called them and he said to them, You know that those who, considered, who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Slave. It's the word doulos. It's slave. It just, you just can't get away from it. It's an ugly word uh, in any other context. But here it is magnificent. Slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve And to give his life as a ransom for many. I think I want to take that verse and I just want to write it on the walls of my house. The son of man himself came not to be served, but to serve. And to give himself a ransom. As a ransom for many. That, my friends, is the core of his nature. Humility. Let that shape you. Okay, let's see if you can pick it out. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, it's kind of funny because Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. It's like son of Timaeus, the blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, <laughs> was sitting by the roadside. It's kind of repetitive, isn't it? Makes you want to know what the name Timaeus means, doesn't it? Ha. Huh. Well, leave that one to you guys and Google. All right, go find out. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Does you love that? Here's the guy, he's blind, he's a beggar, so obviously you don't pay any attention to him, right? He's a nuisance. You ever felt like you were a nuisance? You ever felt like you were dismissed and discarded by other people around you? Felt like every time you tried to make it ahead, somebody was putting you down? I want you to learn from Bartimaeus. This man was certainly not the son of timidity, that's for sure. He shouted out, have mercy on me, O Lord. He wasn't going to let that opportunity pass him by. And I'm telling you now, you need to have that kind of tenacity in your life. We had this conversation yesterday. You hold on to that tenacity. If Jesus is passing by, you don't let him pass. (laughs) Pull a Gandalf. You shall not pass. Imagine the authority standing in front of Jesus. The one who speaks the universe into existence, and you're saying, You shall not pass here, not without a blessing. Jesus, I need a blessing. I'm not letting you through. If Timaeus could see him, if Bartimaeus could see him, he would have wrestled him to the ground. Jesus, stop. I love it. There's a tenacity here in the asking. Are you getting closer to what I'm thinking about? Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Anybody ever tell you you can't pray like that? Anybody ever tell you that doesn't make any sense, that that's not righteous, that you should pray like that? Haven't you seen your experience tell you that you shouldn't pray like that? Why do you have hope like that? The last time you had hope like that, you were disappointed. Every time you've had hope like that, you've been disappointed. It doesn't work. Don't you pray like that. Sit down. Be quiet. You obviously can't see. You've got the wrong perspective. You need to change. Go back to your begging. It's time for you to ignore the crowd and focus on the one. And Jesus stopped. Don't you love that? Jesus is going to stop for you too. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. They called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Don't you love the way suddenly everybody's now, okay, oh, wow, wow, he called you. Now everybody wants to be friends with this guy. Take heart, man, he called you. It worked, well done. You know, The crowd is so fickle. So is everything that you place your trust in other than Christ. If you place your trust in your knowledge, it's fickle. You're going to discover you can't hold on to knowledge. It makes wings for itself and it flies away just like riches. You can't hold on to your knowledge. How many of you ever learned to try and speak Spanish as a second language? Can you still speak it? Did it in high school, you probably did years of it, right? Anybody French? Anybody still speak French? Oui monsieur. Can you still speak French? Not unless you practice it, right? You hold on to that knowledge, it doesn't hold on to you. You hold on with all you got. You've got to practice it again and again. You put your trust in knowledge, you're going to find it's a fickle master. won't save you. Your riches won't save you. Your experience won't save you. So why do you believe that voice that tells you you can't pray like that? they called the blind man saying to him take heart get up he's calling you and throwing off his cloak he sprang up and came to jesus i just love the way mark puts that he threw off his cloak which by the way was his identity that's his that's his one belonging his cloak it's like what a blind man has it's <laughs> cover himself in the cold it's his identity everybody knows they see that cloak they see that blind man they know him he threw it off he's like i am not going to be identified like this anymore you don't leave your cloak behind it's the one thing in world in the world you have it's like leaving your wallet On the street, in a crowd. It's not a smart thing. He said, I don't want to be known like that anymore. I want something from Jesus. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. A blind man springing up. What's in front of him? There's been a whole crowd. Maybe they threw their litter there. Is he going to trip over something? Maybe he's going to trip over a small child or a dog. He sprang up and came to Jesus. Time for you and me to start adopting this kind of attitude. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? That's in verse 51. I'm going to give you guys a clue. Go ahead and look at verse 36. What do you see? James and John come to Jesus and they say, we want you to do whatever, you ask, whatever we ask. And Jesus says, okay, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus says, okay, call him. What do you want me to do for you? If I have a message today and you picked it out because you're smart, it's this. What do you want Jesus to do for you? James and John wanted something glorious. They wanted accolades, positions of honor. Can I tell you? That's for whom it's prepared for. You can't, you can't ask for that. You'll get persecution. You'll get the cup. You'll get the baptism. And you will do the things that Jesus did. But the glory, the honor, that's the Lord's to give or to not give. You can't have that. You, can, you can't even ask for it. The moment you ask for it, you put yourself at odds against other people. When Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? You need to be careful what you ask for. But can I tell you that you need to ask him for something? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. (laughs) He's a beggar. He's been asking for money all his life. At this point, he says, I want to see. Something's transformed in this guy. First of all, he realizes that money isn't enough. He needs perspective. Whatever it is that's your immediate need, you've got to see beyond your immediate need to discover what you really need. What you really need is perspective. You need to see again the way God sees. You need to see again with the eyes of faith. You need to see, my friends, you need to see. And it's time for you and me to start crying out to God for that vision again. Don't get hung up on your immediate needs and don't get hung up on the crowd around you that's telling you you, you're worthless. The voices in your head that tell you you can't make it. It's not going to work. It's time for you to recognize that the master of the universe, Jesus, not not he, man, (laughs) Jesus is walking right there, right in front of you and he has the power to meet you, to stop and to call you. And when he does, you need to ask. In John chapter 14, here's what I noticed. We'll come back to that verse in the end here, but John chapter 14, I saw Jesus say something. And this is actually a little bit later, a few days later maybe, a week later, Jesus is teaching His disciples. He's actually in Jerusalem, according to John, when He teaches us. But I'm guessing this is what He must have been teaching in advance, prior to the moment. Because when Mark mentions this in Mark 10, it seems like we ought to already know that this is something Jesus has said. He has told His disciples this very thing. Listen to, Mark, uh, to John chapter 14, and uh, this is what Jesus says in verse Twelve, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Sorry, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Interesting. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. I think James and John heard that and were like, yeah, that's great. They must have heard it prior to their request. Jesus said it prior to their request and then denied their request and then said it again. I, I know I'm making, a, I'm drawing some inferences here from, I, I, I'm assuming that he must have said this before, based on their courage in asking, and on Mark repeating the same line, what do you want me to do for you? See that? I'm guessing that Jesus must have given some teaching regarding this, ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Maybe as you go back and you look in the Gospels for earlier incidents of Jesus teaching them how to pray, maybe you'll find promises in there where Jesus declares to them that what they ask in his name, it'll, it'll happen. And maybe that is the teaching he's building on. He's trying to get his people to ask. And then James and John ask, and they get rejected. Bartimaeus asks, and he gets the answer And then in John 14, Jesus repeats the same teaching. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. There is a filter. There is a, this shows me that there are some things we can ask for and other things we can't. Miraculously, it's not the healing of the blind eyes that we can't ask for. It's elevation we're not allowed to ask for. It's being raised up into positions of authority and power that we're not allowed to ask for. Whether it's over our regular everyday people, the people in our lives, we are not allowed to ask for things that are going to put us in a place of pride because he's not going to do that. But we are allowed to ask for healing, for deliverance, intervention breakthrough if you didn't get what you asked for yet and it falls inside of this this realm of permissible prayer Then I got one word for you. Don't stop asking. You got it? If you're listening online right now, and some of my friends, I hope you are, because I'm speaking directly to you intentionally. You know, we had our conversation. I'm telling you today don't you dare stop asking. If you want glory, if you want honor, then Jesus didn't say that there's no glory and no honor. There there is going to be glory and honor. Glory and honor to him, and there will be those for whom these things have been prepared. But he made a statement that ought to govern the way we go about our business. And this was it. That the one who wants to be the greatest must become the servant of all. You're looking for prominence? Let God heal your eyes and give you a new perspective and see that the Lord himself did not come to be served, but to serve. And do that. Follow that. Become an expert at that. Not in some sort of reverse pride, but because you want to be just like Jesus, that all glory and honor may go to him. We do not need to lord it over one another. We do not need to be better than one another. We don't need to prove ourselves to one another. We don't need to be in competition with one another. There's healthy competition and there's unhealthy competition. Healthy competition is a very, very narrow little window. Unhealthy competition is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. We see it all the time. Let's not have that in the church, okay? Let's not have that in our relationships. Let's not have that between families. Fight against unhealthy competition by being a servant. Wash the dishes, even if you're the only one who does. Wash them anyway, even though you're sitting there stewing as you're Washing that pan again. Why can't these people who've made these dishes wash these dishes? How come I'm the only one who ever does this? Every time I need to go wash the dishes, somebody needs to go wash the dishes, all of a sudden everybody's got to go run to the restroom. <laughs> Some, somebody's, oh, sorry, guys, I've got to run out. Oh, I've got to make a phone call, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> Never happens in our house. <laughs> Be the servant of all. You know how beautiful it is when you take out the garbage without somebody asking you to do it? You're like, that's not, that's not beautiful at all. Yeah, yeah, actually it is. Actually it is. My wife will tell you how beautiful that is. <laughs> when you pick up those dirty socks and put them in the hamper and, and uh, you know what, actually carry that thing downstairs and put it next to the washing machine once in a while. Maybe even put it in the washing machine once in a while or take it to the laundromat so they don't have to. How about it? Imagine the kind of love that would be generated amongst us if we actually served one another. Yesterday, I was out shoveling some snow out here in the parking lot. A buddy of mine drove by. He wasn't going to stop. He happened to see a car in the parking lot. He's like, huh, somebody's at Living Hope. He came swinging by. He saw me out there with a shovel. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just making sure that the handicapped parking spot is cleared. He's like, oh, no. He got on the phone, called a friend. Next thing I know, they came over with a truck and plowed it all and salted it. You know what? That was beautiful. May it not seem like beautiful to them. They may be like, hey, that's just what we do. It was beautiful. It gave me hours of my time back. Hours. And so far, nobody slipped. Please be careful going out back to your cars, okay? Don't ruin my story today, right? <laughs> Serve one another like Jesus did. And let the glory of the Lord return to his his house. We pray for the cloud of glory to come down, but there's a much better way than some nebulous cloud. You know how we can have the glory of the Lord in our midst? By serving one another. What? Isn't that crazy? And then, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this challenge to our hearts and this wonderful excitement. I don't know if they feel it, but I feel it growing inside of me. It's a promise which I know you will fulfill. (laughs) Jesus, you said it and your word is steadfast. Steadfast. I pray, we pray, help us in our unbelief, O Lord. Let us rise up, servants of the Lord, mighty through God with the word of God on our lips, sword of the spirit in our hands, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, feet ready, ready, ready to carry the gospel, belt of truth, May the Lord bless you, my brothers and sisters. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go and serve the Lord with gladness. Amen.